this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Well, that is the story of human progress. One inch at a time. I'm your host, Joe DiStefano, and you're listening to Stack. Hey team, welcome. Uh, I'm psyched you're here. Welcome to the Friday show. Uh, we're going to dive into a really cool topic, a topic I talk about a lot, but um, it's never a topic that I get sick of talking about because it's kind of one of the bigger passions that I have in exercise, health, and performance. And um, question came in on Instagram, as a lot of these questions do, and I think it was just a really cool topic um, that it illustrates because, you know, to an extent, we're all individuals, and there's a genetic component, there's a training component, there's a belief system component, there's an ego component, and I don't use the word ego in a negative way, it's just, it's inside of all of us, it's what guides us, it's what we are, right? So, um, yeah, so anyways, the um, question of the week is, uh, I can controlled nasal breathe at 170 beats per minute which is way outside my math aerobic zone. Could I still be aerobic? Because as I've said, nasal breathing is a great correlate to the aerobic threshold, right? So the way that exercise works, and by the way, you know, uh, full disclaimer, both systems are always on. So it's a little bit like the nervous system, sympathetic and parasympathetic. Aerobic and anaerobic are always both on. It's just what's the primary contributor? You know, what's prim- what's producing the most energy? Is it the is it oxidative phosphorylation or is it anaerobic glycolysis or phosphocreatine system, et cetera? And so um, that's number one. Um, they're both always on. And the other thing is, um, well, I'm going to get to this later, but remember too, you know, heart rate is just a correlate in itself. You know, we can elevate our heart rate by sitting too long in a sauna. We can elevate our heart rate uh, by drinking too much caffeine. We can elevate our heart rate through stress. We could elevate our heart rate through, um, you know, loads of unhealthy salt, you know, like the classic table bleached, super unhealthy iodized garbage that, you know, the, the conventional nutrition and medical system tells us to avoid because they're blanketing that as all salt when in fact salt is one of the most healthy foods in the whole world. In fact, that's where we get the word salary. Salary is from ancient Rome, and they used to pay soldiers in salt, and that's where the expression, he's worth his salt, comes from. Anyway, salt of the earth. Anyway, this is a really great question, and there's really a lot of different ways I could answer it, um, and every single person that asks this question might might have a different answer. The first thing we have to understand um, as it relates to addressing this question on an individual basis is their age and also their training experience. For those not familiar with Phil Maffetone's work, he has created a formula and that formula is 180 minus your age. And he, he describes that as your max aerobic heart rate, right? And so that is the max heart rate that the vast majority of the energy you're able to produce is aerobic. So at that point, you begin to produce more of the energy you are utilizing through the anaerobic system. The aerobic system is still on, but you could kind of consider it that your aerobic system produces energy until that heart rate. And then whatever is above that is anaerobic. You know, you could kind of think of it that way. 
And then when you get to your lactic threshold, because anaerobic metabolism produces lactic acid and hydrogen that makes us acidic and, and makes our muscles cramp, um, between that max aerobic heart rate, when we, when we begin to produce lactic acid and, and use the anaerobic system, and what's called the lactic threshold, which is at the point that the lactic buffering system can't keep up with production. So that heart rate is what's called your lactic threshold. And that's where you go more or less fully anaerobic. And it's simply not sustainable because more of your energy is being produced by acid forming pathways than it is through aerobic, more buffering pathways. This also has to do with why the aerobic system is so important for anaerobic athletes, because the more aerobic are, the more you can clear lactic acid. You know, it's kind of like the system that does that. So anaerobic athletes with big aerobic bases can generally perform longer because their system can buffer more lactic acid. Anyway, so we have to understand uh, his age. Now, the formula, 180 minus your age, professional and super fit enthusiast athletes, I often have to add five beats to that formula to make it work. And this is directly from Phil Maffetone. So if I were a super professional athlete, you know, professional making my living off my body, it's very likely that my score, I'm 36, uh, it's very possible that I would only reduce the 180 formula by 31. So I would, or I could do 36, right? 180 minus my age plus five um, to make up for that. So if this athlete happened to be, say, 19 or 20 years old, and maybe he's played sports his whole life, then the 170 being fully aerobic and nasal breathing and everything else is totally possible because it's just a few beats outside of that. So age and training status have a lot to do with this. Now, let's assume the kid was 30 or 35 or 40 or 45. Um, the next thing we would look at uh, would be his resting and max heart rates. Maybe he has an abnormally high max heart rate, which is usually the case with super well-trained athletes or people that, you know, like my father-in-law that I assume just have small heart muscles, you know, like Lance's heart is abnormally big. So his stroke volume, how much blood he pumps per beat is significantly greater than say mine, right? So with every beat, he's pushing more blood into the system than I can because his heart is large and big muscles are generally stronger. Meanwhile, like a, a fetal heart rate is like a 140 plus beats per minute, right? So little babies have super high resting pulses because their heart is just this little amazing little pump, right? So, well, heart is not a pump. I could go, we won't, we'll go on to that in a future episode, but just think of it as a pump right now. Um, so we could also look at that, you know, maybe we test his max heart rate through a graded exercise assessment, um, which would be the next place we could potentially go. The next thing we have to look at is training experience. Um, you know, I've seen this in like, you know, CrossFitters and I haven't seen it recently because really most of the CrossFit community has really evolved. But back in the day when every workout was 10 minutes long and um, we were just, you know, putting the pedal to the metal the entire time, there were loads of like old school CrossFit athletes that, you know, they could run a, a 5k in, in 20 minutes, but they're 10k was two hours, you know, so basically, you know, what we what we train and what we impose on our body from a demand standpoint is what our body adapts to. And if we adapt to super high intensity all the time and super high heart rates, 
you know, it's the sort of thing. If you've got a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? That's just the system we preferentially use because we've developed the anaerobic system to a far greater extent than the aerobic system. And so our buffing, our buffering capacity has also adapted in that way, right? And so um, as long as we, you know, keep the workout under, say, an hour, uh, we can maintain a really high heart rate. And we feel fine because it's just how we've trained, right? But um, the math, the math system, you know, I've, I've kind of, I use four heart rate zones with my clients and they're super simple, ready? And they don't even need a heart rate monitor. Easy, that which you can do for 10 hours. you like, you know, if you're a, if you're a tourist in Paris and you're just walking around for like 10 hours, that would be like easy. And maybe carrying a backpack with some water bottles and things like that. That's like your easy heart rate, you know, rocks sometimes put you in that state. An ultra marathon has you in that, you know, that heart rate zone, which is usually like one, 100 to 120 beats for most people, something like that. Then you have math, which is somewhere between 125, 130, and usually 150 or 155. That's where most people's aerobic heart rates tend to sit. And then you have what I call grind, which is beyond math, but not quite completely all out, not above that lactic threshold. Um, and then you have max. So uh, max would be like that, which you can sustain for like one to three minutes. Um, and so that's, those are the four heart rates I use. And so if we've spent all our time in grind and in max, you know, and this is where the conversation that I've, I believe I've talked about on this show. And one of the reasons, um, that I really love this stuff is because after years of trying to pile fitness on top, so we think about hard exercise, hit CrossFit, short stuff as being the hard work to get that extra 1%, you know, that really hard workout to try to give me that 1%. So we're trying to pile fitness on the top of the pyramid. But a lot of people that have this high heart rate problem or feel okay at high heart rates, they just haven't done a ton of aerobic work. They haven't done the five hours a week at a real low heart rate to build that base. And so the cool thing is if you've, if you've done that, it, there's no better time to add the aerobic stuff because what you'll do is you can kind of quit throwing fitness on top of the pyramid, which is hard. It requires a lot of work. It, you can't do it forever. And your risk of injury is a lot higher because everything has to be so hard and intense. If you've done that for a long time, you can actually go back and start to lift that pyramid up from below instead of working so hard to put more bricks on the top. And so what that means, you know, if someone's in that state where like, you know, they can't you know, all of their workouts, put them at a high heart rate, but they feel fine. I would say you need to accumulate five to seven hours a week at like 125 beats a minute. And we can try to lift that, lift that performance up from below by developing the aerobic system and the nasal and nasal breathing, et cetera. Now I remember too, though, like heart rates, I did an Instagram post the other day. Like, you know, I did the same exact workout that I had done like four or five days earlier, but my heart rate was 20 beats higher because it's hot and humid and I pulled the bike out into the sun. And so when I did it into the, in the cool garage in the morning, I did this workout at 150 beats a minute for an hour. But when I pulled it out into the hot sun at noon, uh, on a humid day, my heart rate was like 170 to 180, the whole workout, but the intensity and the work I got done was the same. The caloric burn at the end of the hour was the same as it was a few days ago, but I just had to work a little bit harder for it or my perceived exertion was higher. But in fact, my cardio output wasn't my, my, my performance wasn't. And this is one of the kind of risks of living in a place like Arizona or Texas, because sometimes you can psych yourself out and think you're, you know, you're sweating so much and you feel like you're working so hard, but that heat and humidity can actually prevent you 
from getting your heart rate where you need to go. Because if you need to get your heart rate to 175, 180, 190 to get that performance edge, you're hitting that a lot sooner at a lower intensity of work on the muscles because the cardiovascular system, remember it's regulating, it's sending blood and and nutrients to your muscles, but it's also regulating your heat. It's also assessing your nervous system. So the heart rate, it increases with stress, right? So the heart rate does all sorts of different jobs. So it's only a correlate to performance. It is not an end all be all. It's, it's only a correlate under, under good conditions, which is, you know, now that everyone's got, uh, bio straps and aura rings and Morpheus straps and everything else, you guys know, it's like when you start to get sick or start to get stressed, your resting pulse goes up, your respiratory rate also goes up. And so guess what that does to your heart rate. So, um, heat, humidity, caffeine, heart rate is only a correlate to performance. So I would start to look at other other pieces of the puzzle, right? Um, and then the last piece here is ego. <laughs> you know, this this gentleman uh, mentioned that if I run at my math, I'm stuck at 12 minute mile paces. And so that is an illustrating point to me because everyone goes through that. You know, if you're at 12 minute miles, you're lucky because I tell people run four miles an hour and never run a hill, right? Because, you know, you really need it to be slow at first, especially if you're that you're that, you know, hunk of muscle that's been doing tons of high, high, high intensity stuff. And you've never really put in the hours on the bike or on foot, whatever, building the aerobic zone. Um, a lot of times you have to go to four, four miles an hour, 15 minute miles, right? So, um, there's a big ego component as well. So something to remember is easy is that which you can sustain for like eight to 10 hours. Math is what you can sustain for two three, maybe four hours. It's like your marathon pace, right? Um, and, and grind is what you can sustain for, you know, 30, 40 minutes comfortably. Maybe some people can push it to an hour and max is what you can do for just a few minutes, right? Just a very, very all out intensity. And maybe someone can push max to 15 or 20 minutes, right? If they're highly trained. So this, this particular question 170 beats a minute. Could you sustain 170 beats a minute for three hours? And if the answer is no, then it's not, not your math. Even if you can sustain nasal breathing somehow, uh, and your physiology, you've got big nasal cavities, you've got great buffering. Um, but if you can't sustain it for say at least two hours, then it's probably not your math. Uh, and then you'd get cardiovascular drift and you'd end up at, you know, by the end of two hours, you'd be at 175, 180, something in there. And, you know, so if this person is over the age of 20, it's unlikely that uh, he's fully aerobic at 170, even though heart rate's only a correlate and not knowing the whole story, which I just explained. So yeah, guys, I hope this was, I hope this was super helpful. Um, it's a really important topic. And I think that um, um, one of the, one of the ways, you know, you're in math. One of the ways is that you leave the workout with more energy than you walked in with. And every week or two, your body asks for more. It asks for more duration or it asks for more speed, but usually it asks for time first in my experience. So in other words, if you're doing like, you know, um, I have people do like four or five, eight to 10 minute intervals sometimes, right? So go for eight minutes at, at, you know, math rest for two minutes and repeat that three, four, five, six times. And when people repeat this workout, they don't get faster 
as quickly as they actually feel like their body wants them to do another one uh, and another one. And they can start tacking on additional eight to 10 minute intervals and continue their tangent of performance and not really see a performance decline. That's when you know your math. But if your performance over time is declining and workout over workout, week over week, you're actually just fatigued at the end, your heart rate's too high and you're producing too much lactic acid and you're not in the right zone, regardless of external metrics and things that might tell you that you are. So, all right, guys. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining. Please share this show around with anybody you think could benefit from it. Uh, it means a lot to me and helps me reach more people with these messages. And and I hope that they're very helpful because I know these are the questions that I asked once upon a time and people like Dr. Jeff Godin just filled me with this information and knowledge and experience. And I'm just honored and excited to share it with you guys. So thank you guys so much. And we'll see you on Tuesday. You're going to dig the episode. It's with a really, really cool guy. We talk about meditation. Uh, we talk about um, getting out, outside your comfort zone. And um, I think you're really going to like it. His name's Graham Wardle, and you might have heard of him. So coming up on Tuesday, I'll talk to you soon, guys. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Bye. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's show. For the show notes for today's episode, head on over to CoachJoeDI.com and click podcast from the menu. If you'd like to leave a review, which I would absolutely appreciate on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you found this show, please do so. These mean the world to me. They help me understand what my audience is gaining from these shows that I'm pouring my heart into and ultimately helps us to reach more people because these platforms like shows that get reviews. So it helps us out so much. If you're digging the shows, this would be so great if you could just leave a review. Also, I still give away $150 every two weeks to kettlebellkings.com to somebody that reviews my show. So if you leave a review, just screenshot it and email it to hey at coachjodi.com and my team will enter you to win this $150 gift card so that you can outfit your home with a couple of kettlebells on me. Also, when you're in the show notes, you'll find links to any products that we discussed. For full transparency, some of these links do contain affiliate links. This helps me to fund these episodes, pay my staff, and ensure that I'm taking care of the people that take care of us. So I absolutely appreciate you clicking links and using codes. It helps keep this train on the tracks. All right, guys, until next week, thank you as always for listening. I really appreciate you guys subscribing and listening to this show every week. I really put a lot into them, so thank you so much. And you'll hear from me again next week. Take care.